Broadcasting live from the offices of policebackground.net. This is the Police Applicant Podcast with your host, Ken Royball. Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of the Police Applicant Podcast. This is episode 63. 63. (laughs) I didn't forget this time. And I want to make a special announcement because I just want to welcome back Minerva. Minerva's here, everybody. So it's been a minute. Welcome. Actually, no, I was, I just missed the last one. Was it just the last one? I think so. Yeah. It feels like it's been forever. It does feel like it's been forever. Well, welcome back from the last one. Thank you for having me back. And uh, (laughs) you're sporting your, uh, your LA Lakers shirt. Game six. They got to win it today. Is I have to bring it today. I haven't watched basketball since the seventies, man. I used to watch it religiously the LA Lakers you these names probably don't mean anything to anybody but I used to watch Jerry West and Gail Goodrich and Happy Harrison and and uh Will Chamberlain all those guys in this like mm-hmm. 72 and everything and it was like when they won their championship and then once I got older I stopped watching but they're they're in their six of seven is that what's going on six of seven so they're the Lakers are up three Two to the Warriors, which is the California South versus the North kind of yeah, thing, right. right? All right, sounds good. But you know, uh, Jerry West is the logo, the NBA logo, the body, the oh. little. That's Jerry West. Jerry West, man, those are some legendary players. <laughs> legendary players. Yeah. Um, so I just want to go over a couple things. I keep I try and keep you guys up to date on the stats, and this is an amazing. You know, we haven't talked about this in a little bit, but. Yeah. 100, almost 128,000 downloads. Yeah. And remember, we were going, oh my gosh, we got 100,000 and everything. And now it's 128,000. Uh, 128, and well, um, thank you to our listeners. Yeah, thank Seriously. you guys. Like, we would not be there without you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's because of our listeners that, you know, people hear about us. And that's how today's guests heard about us. And uh, we get a lot of guests from the podcast. So if you are listening, well, that's kind of dumb when I say that. If you're listening, well, you wouldn't be hearing this if you weren't listening. But um, if you're interested in being on the podcast, I'm telling you, we have a lot of guests that, you know, quote unquote, experts in the industry, the background policing and all that stuff. But the biggest job, Minerva, are the candidates themselves who have a story to tell. And then someone identifies with it and yes. goes, that's me. And I get, I get calls or, or emails saying that person told my story. And mm-hmm. so it's you guys. So if you have a story to tell, um, get a hold of me, man. And I, at where, where should they contact me? Oh my gosh. Ken <laughs> at policebackground.net. Uh, so if you have a story to tell. Where? I'm sorry, Ken I missed that. at policebackground.net. <laughs> um, and so that's, a, that's quite a bit. Plus, uh, obviously, like I've said before, the uh, uh, giving us a rating on, on uh, iTunes, that's how people find us. Uh, yes. We don't get any money or anything from the ratings, but that's how we get clout. Is that what the kids say? Clout? clout to uh, my kids say i'm a boomer (laughs) you're not a boomer i'm a boomer Uh, and we uh uh that's how people find us the the more ratings we get and if you enjoy our content 
and you've gotten something from it, then then pay it forward. Put us some stars. Give us a, a review. And and I guarantee you, the more we get, the more people will be able to find us. Um, yeah. And right now, Minerva, people people call me. And I, every time they call me or, or they ask me, I go, how did you find us? And they go, oh, I was looking under a rock, and there you were. I'm like, I don't have a clue how they find us. <laughs> I don't have a clue how they find us, but they do. So, um, and share with your friends that you know also want to go into law enforcement. You know, let them know, hey, there's this podcast, and they have a lot of good information for those of us who want to go into law enforcement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's our 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 listeners are our best uh, advertisement. And before mm-hmm. we go off onto another little announcement, uh, I want to share some some stats on our top ten episodes. So the oral interview has consistently been number one in the episodes. 6,000 listens on the oral interview. The second big deal is the polygraph, 4,700 plays. Uh, (laughs) 4,200 plays for You Lie, You Die. For some reason, people go, oh, You Lie, You Die. I got to listen to that. As opposed to going, hey, you're not supposed to lie. No, let me listen to an episode about it. Maybe people want to know. <laughs> I want to know what happens if I lie. Uh, the next one is the, the Academy, 3,400 plays. And it goes on and on and on. So those are some some of the more popular episodes. But overall, and I want to bring up something real quick. I don't have all the stats, all the stats, all the information on it yet. We're going to be opening up a special section for subscribers only. We're going to be offering extra content. That's going to be coming up uh, most likely the middle of June. So we're still working out the kinks in it and figuring out what's going to be offered. And it's going to be at this amazing amount, Minerva. Somebody somewhere will have to get a cup of coffee, $4.99 a month for extra content. And I think $4, $5 a month. For it's actually cheaper than Starbucks at this point. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> so that information is coming. Look, uh, look for it. Um, and we have our special uh, meet and greet coming up in uh, yes. a couple of weeks. So that'll be fun. But let's get to the episode. I want to welcome to the episode Mickey. Mickey. Hello, hello. Yeah, welcome, man. <laughs> I'm glad you got a hold of me for this because um, what happened? What happened with Mickey? Mickey was got a hold of me and this happens a lot um he got a job offer he's going to start the academy just graduated college and he goes i just want to thank you man for the podcast and blah 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 and and i go what's your story he goes blah blah blah. i go you need to be on the podcast so (laughs) so mickey's here and uh you are a candidate from uh uh, oklahoma yes sir and uh so that's that's pretty cool we i don't think we've had Anybody from Oklahoma? I and think so. Yeah. And so we want to find out about you, find out about your, your story. I kind of use the, the word journey. Tell me about your journey. That's just my thing. It, I don't know what it is. That is a good word. It definitely was a journey. Yeah, because I think <laughs> for me, the word journey for police candidates is kind of a good word because it doesn't, it kind of encompasses ups and downs and ups and downs. And, and the journey doesn't end. Yes. So I'm still on my journey. I'm still on my journey. And I graduated (laughs) from the Academy 43 years ago. And my journey's not done yet because I'm still retired. I'm still doing this stuff. And then, uh, so that's, uh, I just like that word. So I want to find out about your journey. And uh, I know Minerva has questions for you because Minerva, 
always brings the good questions. And uh, <laughs> I try my best. You do. When I'm present. Yeah. When so I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, um, tell us about about you and uh, you know how you grew up and and your college experience and and what uh, what led you to this path of becoming a police officer in a time when it's, it's tough getting people to apply. So tell us all about you. So growing up, uh, I grew, I'm from a small town. Uh, I grew up with a single father. Uh, unfortunately, my mom fell victim to the opioid um, uh, takeover, if you will. And, you know, in and out, in and out. And so, but I have two amazing younger siblings. I, uh, I was a multi-athlete or multi-sport athlete in high school, uh, but football coming on my senior year is what I really dedicated myself to. And, you know, I was on the straight and narrow, straightforward. I was always doing what was right. Well, I got a full ride to go play football at a D2 college. So I left and uh, went and played some college ball and, well, was going to play some college ball. And then, you know, the young or say old teen, young adult life took over and I started dumb decisions. I was partying and just putting parties before practice or parties before class. And ultimately, I ended up dropping out. And right then it kind of shocked me because like that never was me, but it just, you know, once you get with that wrong crowd or the can't even say the wrong crowd, just someone that doesn't match what you're wanting to do with your life, you really can fall or drown in that. So I did, I dropped out and I moved back home and uh, I was told basically like, you can either go back to school, go to the military or get out. So I (laughs) got out. (laughs) And so I ended up getting my first rental place when I was 17, about to turn 18. And uh, within that first rental place, I was like, oh, I'm back on track. I had a full time job. You know, when you're fresh out of high school, you don't know what you're doing. You might think you do, but you do not. And so <laughs> I have my full job and I have my first rental place and, you know, things are going good. And then, you know, I decide to get with the wrong crowd again. And I started experimenting with drugs and just doing things like that. And uh, which, it, again, was not like me at all, but that's just the path that I decided to go down for felt like forever, but it was really like a month, maybe two months of doing dumb things like that. And it came down to the point where I was partying and not focusing again. And I was about to get evicted from my uh, duplex. So from that point forward, I knew like, okay, I got to figure something out. So I called one of my college coaches that had recruited me in high school a year prior. And I was like, Hey coach, um, is there any way I could get a scholarship and come back down and play some football somewhere? And he said, well, tell me why you want to play. And, you know, I basically told him, like, I need to change my life. Uh, football is the only thing that held me together like that. So is there any way, you know, even if I don't get a scholarship, can I come play? Can I come back to school? And he was like, sure. And he gave me the date, which I believe the date, it's been three and a half years ago now, but I believe the date was like January 17th of 2019. And so I... uh loaded my car up, packed what I could. And I went and drove down to where that college was in Kansas. And I uh, slept in my car at the lake for two days wow. prior waiting on uh, the college doors to open. Cause I knew I needed to separate myself from, you know, where my hometown and just certain people. So I got down there, um, slept in my car. The 17th came the morning of the 17th came and they opened the doors, I think 10 AM to like check in register and get my dorm keys. So I went at a trucker stop showered, and uh, went and checked in. And ever since then, my life has turned around 100%, you know, tenfold. And I graduated just recently. I graduated last Sunday. Uh, I got Congratulations. My- Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. I got my bachelor's in psychology. Um, 
I played football 2020, 2021. And then the first half of 2022, I unfortunately blew out my shoulder again. So I thought, you know, ooh, I'm going to lose my scholarship. Like, I can't do this. Well, thank God the college I went to, as long as you played one full season, they honor your scholarship until you graduate. Oh, wow. So I graduated, um, like I said, with my bachelor's in psychology and a minor in criminal justice and legal studies. Um, as soon as I quit playing ball, I went and straight and got a full-time job. So I worked uh, 40 hours a week and I was in 18 college credit hours and I paid off all my college. Uh, I only owe like $1,700 now. And wow. so that was a huge, huge. So, yeah. And then that's kind of what led me here. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to wow. go off. I'm going to go off, off script for a moment. Um, yes, you know, I talk to a lot of candidates. I talk to candidates every single week and every once uh, in a while, I would say probably at least about a third of the, of the candidates that I talk to, they tell me uh, their story. And then I, uh, I started asking them, I go, what's happening? Cause there's these Minerva, you know, when we do backgrounds, there's the time frame. you go from, from zero to 25, to whatever. Yeah. Whatever, whatever <laughs> yeah. year it is. And, and, if, and a lot of times we get candidates that there's this, this period of time, four to six years, something like that. Right. And everything took a nosedive. And, and it's the, like, what was going on? Yeah. And I always ask him, okay, what was happening here? And they, they'll tell me all the time, well, my parents are getting a divorce. Oh, this happened or that happened. And then all of a sudden they, they get in a couple of years into college or whatever. And all of a sudden they're starting to get straight A's, 3.5 GPA, all this stuff. And so I know that there's something going on at that moment in their lives for four or five years, whatever. I said, there's something that's going on here. And we've got, and, and I tell them all the time, I says, you are, you make your own story. Nobody is going to give you success. You have to do it yourself. And here we have Mickey. He grew up in a single parent household. Mom, if I'm not mistaken, mom was on drugs. Yes, sir. Dad was there. And so you didn't have the the mom and dad in the picket fence you know, upbringing. No, sir, we did not. No, and then and then you get to college because you want to you want to you you want to get out of the drug scene, and um, you get to college and you sleep in your car and then you take a shower at, at the truck stop. Man, I got to tell you, I don't know if I would at at your age, I don't know if I would have had the tenacity, the 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 resiliency to do what you did. And so, I want to encourage everybody that has. Those feelings of like, oh, I don't think I can make it. I don't think I can be a cop and stuff. Like, look at me and look at how I grew up and stuff. But Mickey, you did it, man. Yes, you sir. You did it. And I think that's a good testimony to anybody that, I mean, do you, do you, do you I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? That there are oh, candidates yes. out there. Yes, sir. And that's one of the biggest things, you know, listening to your podcast and even talking to, others that wanted to go in the law enforcement realm, whether that was a police officer or sheriff's department or going to FBI school, they would say, well, my mom did this or my dad did this or my siblings did this, or, you know, most importantly, I, or they did something specific that they thought would hold them back. And I always tell them, you know, as long as you own it and as long as you know, you learn from it, there's a difference in doing something and then repeating that behavior. But if you learn from it, that's what, that's why you're young. That's why you're a kid. That's why you're a teen. And then there's the adult. Because you have that time to go ahead and understand exactly what you're doing. And once you do something wrong and you repeat that behavior, 
then you didn't it didn't bother you that much you know you didn't really care but you know you can never let past mistakes or someone someone else's mistakes hold you back from being what you know whatever you believe in you know for me it was um i knew it was god's calling you know and i had to turn back to him i had to find my way back and once i did you know everything went amazing and everybody can do that and it's all about mindset and perspective you know that's like the saying um is your glass half full is your glass half empty you know if you're right. if you say half full then you know you're, you got something to look forward to if you say half empty you're already looking at how to fix that problem next and that's that's something that got me through and it can get a lot of people through a lot of my friends a lot i've mentored some kids that are still at college now and you know it, it'll change them but it starts within your your heart and your mindset I would, I would think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, that your your father was probably very disciplined in the way he raised you and your siblings. Yes, he was. As much as he was. <laughs> That's for sure. And I say that because um, when you moved out was when you started kind of, you had all this level of freedom now, mm-hmm. right? That you didn't have at home. So it makes sense mm-hmm. that this is when kids who grew up in a household that can be a little too strict and now they go off to college, you know, they, uh, they have this level of freedom now that they're, you kind of don't know what to do with it. Cause you haven't had that before. Definitely. So it's very easy to, to start hanging out, going partying and, and start getting out of that, you know, that schedule or regimen that you're so used to having. Mm-hmm. Definitely a hundred percent. And, uh, my dad worked a lot. He worked on the road. He was a he worked with concrete for the my majority of my upbringing and now he works on the railroad but for the most part you know with him he could trust me because again i never got any type of trouble in high school junior high whatever i never got suspended detention anything like that so he knew he could trust me and when it came down to me being on my own it was like well he's not watching or he's not there i don't gotta get my brother and sister to school i'll just do what i want and that kind of you know it can get you in trouble and get you yeah. in trouble really quick. Yeah. And also as the older child from living, coming from a single fam- parent household, a lot of responsibility falls on you. You just mentioned you had to take your brother and sister to school. So there are all these other responsibilities that you now you no longer have once you go off to the dorm. Yes, ma'am. So, yeah, I know that I've been there, done that too. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get in trouble though. <laughs> So you, so you made it happen. And when you talk, do you talk to other people that want to become police officers? I do. I try to find, and I don't stick to just police officers. Cause really there's, there's a lot out there that um, there's something that they want to do, whether it's um, a psychiatrist, um, a doctor, or even just working a job in general or straying away from drugs or getting back into church. I talk to everybody about the same. And uh, yeah, I mean, I talk to a lot of them and try to just motivate them. You know, there's there's a when you have somebody that can relate to you because we're all human and we're all different and we might have been through similar things, but you're never going to understand somebody else's pain the exact same way they do. But if you can relate and find um, what's a good word, you can correlate things with them, then it makes it a lot easier to communicate and a lot easier to get through. Minerva, I love this. I love this story already. And so, I mean, for anybody listening to this that that does that has that feeling like, oh, I'm never, I'm, I'm not, I'm never going to be good enough to be a cop. You'd be surprised 
you can be redeemed and you can go on to have a successful career. Don't let the mistakes of your past make you think that you you can't get past those things. Minerva and I will be the first to tell you that there's tons of candidates that their backgrounds, they didn't look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, on from, yeah, on paper <laughs> from here, this year to this year. And then all of a sudden they did like Mickey. And then, and then these last few years, blah, 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 they started, you know, putting on their big boy pants and, and, and saying, if I want to have a life, I've got to change, you know, my life. And then they started building up this really awesome resume and be like Mickey and get hired because um, I'm sure if if you had been running with the same crowd and and everybody started going downhill, that might have uh, that might have changed the the course of your future because you may have gotten into more things and more things. But you decided. It, it, what I'm trying to say is that the person that decided they were going to do what it takes to become a police officer was Mickey. Yes, sir. And it wasn't somebody, you know, picking you up by the scruff of your neck and, and you know, whatever. It was you deciding that you're going to sleep in that parking lot and um, and do what it takes to get that college degree and to get hired. I, and and <laughs> we're going to get into this in a little bit. But Minerva, when he called me and he mm-hmm. told me, I think I got hired. I got hired. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm right with them. So I didn't know this back. I didn't know this part of it, Mickey, when we talked before this is awesome um yes sir <laughs> so so you you grow up um you grow up and then and then you kind of get into some things and at some point you decide you want to be a police officer yes, sir. so how did that decision come in because that that's a little different than i'm doing drugs and all this kind of stuff and how did that happen so strangely enough the path i took is kind of what got me to decide, you know, the first path that I tried to take that I thought would be the better route is what made me decide to be a police officer. Um, growing up, I, I was, you know, I didn't really understand is a better word, but I didn't really like or trust police officers due to the, you know, social media, this, that, and the other, and just where I was from. So as I grew up, you know, I started to mature. And then when I started making wrong, I never worried about police, you know, through high school and things like that. Cause I was doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I started making wrong decisions and, you know, miraculously now I'm worried about police and, you know, it kind of hit me when I went and was actually in college, my first semester and a half and my minor in criminal justice and um, listening. And it's really, you know, it's about what you do is what makes you fear the police. It's not about, you know, what, um, what, if they have an agenda or police officers are bad or this, that, and other, your actions co- create that fear. And so, and that distrust. And so when I really started realizing that I was doing research, like, oh, well, what do police officers do? What is the main priority? And when you do that research and you dive deep into it, you realize that there is no hundred percent main priority for police officers. They wear many hats. They have many different jackets, different jobs that they have to do. And so when I figured that out and I was about 20 at that time, I was thinking, wow, well, how else can I get a better, closer look at this? Like, who can I speak with? So at the college, I was from a small town. I went and I talked to one of the um, sheriff office or basically one of the sheriffs there. And I just asked him a couple of questions. And, you know, he answered the best he could. And I left. And after that, I said, OK, this is what I want to do. 
This is this is the job I want to take. And once I made that decision, it started impacting a lot of people around me instantly when I would tell them that because their behavior changed around me and not in an awkward, bad way, but in, a, OK, well, more respect, more um, um, they would hold themselves more accountable because I was. And I started feeling that like, OK, my presence is starting to change them. So let's dive a little deeper. And so I actually had a, got another buddy to apply to a different department which was fantastic. He ended up getting hired. And after that, I was like, okay, we are in again, we're breaking barriers. We're breaking the, the judgment zones, the worrying about judgment from family, um, communities, friends, anything like that. And getting people to realize the real aspect and the real job that it, um, the real mindset that it takes for somebody to want to be a police officer and actually set their, uh, set their standards high, you know, a, how can I put that better put just to hold themselves to a higher standard and not in a, like a cocky way or anything like that, but in a humble way mm. and lead by example, not always by mouth. And that was, I mean, that right there completely sealed me on the deal. I've right when I decided that, and I talked to my grandmother about that, I locked it in and I never questioned it once. So I want to go back. What were the questions that you asked the deputy you say you went and spoke to a sheriff deputy and you asked him a few questions. What were some of the questions that you asked? So some of the questions I asked, the first one was the same thing. Why did you want to become a sheriff's deputy? And, you know, he just gave me a really simple answer, which there was more detail. But the majority of the story was because I wanted to make a change in my city or my town. And I was like, OK, I said, well, when you decided to make this decision, who supported you? Did you have support from your family, friends, whatever? And he was like, yeah, some of them. And I lost a lot of friends and I lost a lot of family. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if they were to call, I'd be the first one there. And I said, OK. And it was just questions like that. And it was just really a really humbling experience to actually go up and talk to one. And actually, you know, people look at officers as like robots, in my opinion, but they're human. And so having that humanizing conversation with him was just one of the coolest things that I got to do at that age coming out of, you know, my past and what I had just done before I got to college. So it, that was really cool. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting that you say that you, you lost friends. Um, did you, when you first declared that you wanted to be a police officer, were there a lot of people that were going like, Oh no, man, you're <laughs> what's wrong with you or anything like that? Were they getting on you about oh, yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, and again, I love my father to death, but even he had a tough time with it at first. And, you know, that went away really quick, but even he had a tough time with it. And, you know, I just just the same thing I told everyone that I told him, of course, with him, it was more respect, respect and a lot more love and compassion. But with everyone else, I was like, you know, I'm not I don't if it hurts your feelings or if you're upset about it, I'm sorry, we can separate ourselves and distance ourselves. But this is my calling. You know, you can do what you want to do. No one's going to look at you and judge you. And I'm going to do what I need to do. And this is what I need to do. It's the right decision for me, for my life, for my siblings and for my future family. So and at that point, you know, I was pretty hard headed. And I just told him, like, nothing is going to stop me. I'm going to get there. I'm going to achieve that goal. This yeah. is Minerva. This is pretty this is pretty good because uh, because Mickey is pretty steadfast. And he goes, yeah, mm -hmm. if you disagree with me, that's fine. I'm still going to do it. This is my calling. And right. um, 
you know, uh, and I, I, when I talk to candidates and the ones that, that contact me, whether it's email or they, they call me and, um, and I find out that they listen, you know, they found me from the podcast and I tell people, and I've said this before, the people, the only the most serious, most serious people listen to the podcast. And if you continually, <laughs> and they tell me, I listen, I, I've caught up. I've caught up to all the episodes now. I listen yeah, to it. Binge listen. They, yeah. yeah, they binge listen. And I'm like, you are super, super serious. I mean, this, this you are on a path and this is what you're going to do. And okay. so um, there's, there's so many candidates where their families, I don't know if you had that happen. I didn't tell my family for <laughs> until I knew I was going to graduate. I didn't want to jinx it. Yeah. But. So I also like uh, Mickey my mother did not support my choice of becoming a police officer. And I had a very embarrassing moment at family orientation at the LAPD Academy with my mother, you know, and uh, I left her there. I literally left her there. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I don't know that you and I have ever discussed that. And I don't recall if we discussed that during my episode, but um, so I understand like Mickey, you know, I know what it's like. And I'm glad that your father came around my mother never really came around. She just kind of had to accept it. Yeah. But, you know, and she attended my academy, you know, graduation and stuff. And for the longest, she just, you know, didn't like it. And I was like, like you, I was like, well, I, this is what I've always wanted to do. I mean, I always, I wanted to be a police officer since I was like four or five years old. My whole life I had said, I want to be a police officer. That's awesome. You know, so I, I knew from a very young age that this was what I wanted to do. You know, and I also went to college, graduated with a criminal justice degree and all that stuff. Right. So and but nobody else in my family discouraged it. It was just my mother. So, you know, one time I took her on a ride along and it didn't go too well. I had to take her back. I was like, OK, the ride along's over. It's time for you to go home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, she has her opinions and that's fine. You know, she's entitled to her opinions. But at the end Definitely. of the day, I had to explain to her like, hey, like I have a job to do. Definitely. This is my job. This is what I have to do. You don't have to like it, you know, and, and that's OK. Are can the candidates that go into the academy and choose this path? So I'm glad that that's the case for you, and I'm glad your father came around. And I think once people learn, like you said, you took the time to actually try and find out why someone became a deputy, right? What was their why? Definitely. And I think once people start learning that, they start seeing a different side and not just what social media or the news or whatever puts out there because that's always going to be negative. I tell Ken, Ken will be like, did you see the story? I'm like, no, I don't watch the news. Like I just don't. I stopped it's, many years ago watching yeah. the news. <laughs> it's know, always going to be negative on social media and the news because unfortunately in the world we live in, like the negativity is what gets the views and views generate right. money. So it's always going to be negative on there. And that's one of the things I would tell everybody too. And I was very respectful about it because like you said, everyone's opinions matter. Like, you know, you can say your opinion, but my opinion matters just as much. And I would tell them, you know, my, and it wasn't even an argument, but my counter counter argument or counter suit would be, you know, why not be the change? Why do you want to wait for the change? If you have these opinions, okay, well be the change, go in there and do train your, train your tail off and learn and get in there and do what you think is needed to be done. And, you know, if someone's not willing to do that, then that's, that's just on them, but I am willing to do that. And just like you guys were, you know, it's, uh, it's something that you have to want to do, love to do. Like you have to, 
you just have to get in there and dive full first or head first or else, I mean, it's going to be hard to understand. And ultimately, ultimately, this is your life. Definitely. Right. No one else is living your life. No one else is making decisions for you. You have to make a decision for you and what you feel is best for you. Yes, ma'am. Because I, too, lost friendships. I was already retired. I've been retired for 11 years and I still lost friendships after the whole George Floyd thing. And these are people that had known me for 20 something years. Yeah. You know, and it was still like I go, you know, I don't know. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a touchy subject, but it is what it is. That's how I see it. The way and the way I look at it as well is, I mean, I have my best friend. You know, I've my dad always told me you have a you have tons of friends, but only one or two or three real friends, real good friends. Mm-hmm. And you know, those one, two or three real good friends, those are the ones that are still around regardless. And I have one of those. I've been blessed. We've been friends over 15 years and he's still around. He's a firefighter. Um, and, uh, you know, the people that you lose when you do something to make yourself happy, as long as it's not, you know, some, sometimes it's right to be selfish, but as long as it's not something that you're making yourself happy to hurt someone else and you're right. doing just for you and they leave, it's like, that's, that should show you right there that it wasn't a friendship. It was just yeah. kind of a, what can you give me when I need it versus what I give you when you need it. And it's, that's not what I look for in friends. So that's why that part didn't even bother me much at all. Yeah. And this has been going on for decades. I mean, I, I remember when I was just probably on probation. So I was a one year, one year copper, you know, and I went to an event at a friend's house. I might, I think it was like a 4th of July party or something like that. And then uh, I started talking, you know, we're kind of mingling around and, and, and I'm um, talking to people and, and they're gotten some, some people are saying, I was like, what are you doing? I said, I'm a police officer. And um, all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's nobody standing near me and I'm going, <laughs> what are you guys talking about? The, what are you talking about that I can't hear? Yeah. You know, and, and then talk about you, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And then, but once it, once you get used to it, that, and, and you, yeah. all of a sudden you just don't, you don't, you don't, you don't worry about when people ask you what you do. Because only in the most intimate settings do I, you know, what I've told people, oh, I'm a police officer. Otherwise, I go, oh, I work for the city. I just, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's not worth. Yeah. It's not worth it. And especially you were saying, Minerva, after George Floyd, 2020, and uh, for Mickey and and all the other candidates that listen to this podcast that are still applying after 2020, that's the calling. You are mm-hmm. called, man, and nothing's going to turn you around from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's pretty cool. And And so when you become a police officer, just go in with the mindset that you're going to be the best police officer you can be. You're not going to break the law. You're not going to do all this stuff because it's really not worth, it's not worth the, the consequences of, of, of messing up. So Minerva, what do you want new cops to do? The right thing. Do the right thing. There you go. Do the right thing. (laughs) That's That's, that's what I would suggest. Okay, Mickey. So you applied at an agency and you had some really good luck. So tell us about, tell us about this particular application process for this agency and what made you pick uh, that agency. So the story behind this is, I mean, after hearing a bunch of horror stories about agencies and applying and having to do it over and over and over I got nervous. So I had been in contact. I went to a couple like events up there and like showed face and went through a couple of training things like a year before I applied. Mm -hmm. And uh, once I got a, 
notified that I could graduate a whole semester early from college, I called the um, recruiter and or I emailed the recruiter and I told him, like, I just found out that I, and this was in, I wrote it down here. This is in November. I told him that I was about to graduate. I just found out that I'd be graduating this summer or this uh, spring semester. And he said, okay, well, the deadline for the May Academy is um, in like six days. We need your BIQ, your birth certificate, your social security. And he just gave me a whole list and I had to have it all done in six days. So, yeah. So I started just running through it. And um, luckily before I, way before this, I had looked up what most recruiters are going to ask for, what paperwork, you know, what all you need to have. And I had it all in a manila envelope sitting on my desk at home while I was at work when I called him. So I couldn't get it to him right then, but I got it to him at like one in the morning. I didn't care what time it was. I just sent it all. And then I worked on my BIQ. The BIQ took me three days. And then I kind of ran into a problem with that because uh, my laptop, I saved a BIQ on my laptop. They sent, it was a, not like an electronic BIQ, but they sent the copy to me through via email. And then I had to fill it out on the computer, copy it, make copies, and then email that one back. Well, I made copies of the right one, but I emailed them back the blank one. And oh, then, no. Yeah. And <laughs> then after it emailed black or emailed it back, it locked it. So I couldn't open it back up. And I was like, oh, no. Well, here goes this, this agency. I just messed up. Well, thank God, like that next week, I had my first physical testing day in my 16 PF. And the physical testing day was just an obstacle course, which it was a lot more challenging than I thought it was going to be. But um, finished that, passed that, took my 16 PF. And then I took a, um, like a, uh, let's see, I have it written down over here. And then I took a comprehensive test. And that comprehensive test was the first thing we did. It only took maybe an hour and a half. It was like 600 questions, but it was pretty easy stuff. And then the obstacle course and the 16 PF, and then I was gone. What was this? What was this comprehensive test? Was it a written test? It was a written test. It had a bunch of questions. I mean, scaling from math to reading license plates to uh, putting the correct license plate to uh, that's portrayed in the diagram or picture, reading um, uh, reading paragraphs and being able to break down a sentence and t- say where the spelling error is, just a bunch of things like that. And it was just like repetitive over and over and over. Was it like a high school level type state exam test, maybe? Um, I would say yes, but it also had some um, long aspects about it. Yeah, because you're talking about the license plate thing. Oh, yeah. And there was a lot of those. I can't quite remember all of the questions like that that were on there, but there was a lot of those. Like every it was like a recess, like every 20 or 30 questions, there'd be just like a random fraction or a random Uh, uh, conversion and stuff like that. This is just like a, a comprehension test. Reading, writing, all that kind of stuff. It's really generic, but they threw some police stuff in there, too. Um, yes, sir. But 600 questions, that is no joke. That's a lot of questions. It was a lot of questions. And that's multiple choice or multiple how? Choice. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there was one question where it had a map and it had like one way signs. And it was like, how would you get from point A to point B the fastest? And you had to like pick out where the map led you to and how, like, if you, of course, if you pick going the wrong way down a one way, then of course you got the answer wrong and things like that. So, and so the outcome was great. I uh, got the phone call, got hired. Um, 
had to do one more testing thing uh, last Friday and with orientation. And I talked to you on the phone about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so the outcome of that was great. That's Can we get, you mentioned that, what what is 16PF? You mentioned that like two so or three times. 16PF is a personal personality questionnaire. And it's kind of like the MMPI, but it's a reduced MMPI. Uh-huh. So it they give you two of them. Um, the first one is a 16PF. And then I actually just did my MMPI, which that's a whole nother story. And uh, <laughs> a whole nother story. And so I got the 16PF at the day one when I first did my first testing phase and I did the MMPI at the very, very end at, at my orientation, which was last, last Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last Friday. And the, the MMPI is part of the medical. Did they kind of merge those two in the testing process for you? No. So the 16 PF was at first. And then after I passed my oral board is when I went and did all my medical stuff. And then like a month after my medic, no, it was longer than that. Maybe about two and a half, three months after my medical is when I did my MMPI. Hmm. Okay. Oh, so you had like an actual medical with the doctor and then you had your psychological one. Yeah. I had three medicals. I had like a simple physical and then I had a pension physical and then I had a Bruce stress test. What are those? What do you say? Yeah. The pe- you said a the pension? pension? What is it? A pe- yeah. A pension physical. What's, What's that? that? It's like to make sure I have the capabilities to do the job in order to earn a pension. And then I had my normal physical. <laughs> it sounds like yeah. a physical. <laughs> it was. It basically was. How can they tell then, what's going to happen 30 years from now? I don't understand that. I have no idea. It asked a lot of questions, like, of course, like any other health inspection, but just like, does your family have past heart problems or high blood pressure, things like that. Mm. And then the Bruce stress test, that was, I mean, I run a lot, so it wasn't terrible, but the Bruce stress test, they put you on this really short treadmill and I'm six two and she even apologized. She was like, you're probably going <laughs> to almost fall off, but be careful. Your gait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was no longer than like three and a half feet. Long. Oh wow! Crazy, and they put it two EKG machines on me, and then I had to keep a steady pace. And every two minutes, it would go on a higher incline, and oh, speed okay. up, speed up, speed up, speed up. And then you had to get like eighty percent of your max heart rate, or something like that. It's a heart stress test. Yeah. Oh, heart stress. Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds familiar, yeah. doesn't it, Minerva? Yeah, I know. I did that for my medical with Glendale. Now you mentioned the obstacle course. Now you're an athlete. And you yeah. mentioned that the obstacle course was a little harder than you thought. What did that, what was the yeah. obstacle course? So um, essentially you start off at one line and you do, you take off sprinting full speed for about 20 yards. And then you have these cones, which in football, we call it angle drills. So you're cutting back and forth through cones. Mm-hmm. And then you do your lap and you go up a flight of stairs, down a flight of stairs, do another lap, jump a seven foot fence, uh, do a lap up a flight of stairs, down a flight of stairs, jump over a four foot fence, do your last lap around. Then you pick up a 200 pound dummy and drag it 25 yards. And then you run your last lap up again, down again. And then you go to this punching bag and you got to like, it's a, I think it was a 175 pound punching bag. And all you're doing is laying it down on the dot. Like you're restraining somebody from standing to the ground. And then you go up to, um, I would call it chest flies, but you just touch these two bars together twice. But that was just like the qualifying to to see who is in shape enough or who could actually do that. There's 
the physical part of this coming up because I know you guys like the academy, the military <laughs> academy. Yeah. Style. You're looking at me, so <laughs> the what's coming up, and what I'll tell you all about is uh, what I've been training for, which is I think you guys will like that a lot. But that that obstacle course does sound kind of hard compared good, to other ones that I've heard of, seen and heard of. Definitely. It gave me a run for my money. I mean, you had to finish it in less than two and a half minutes and I finished it. Two in and a half like minutes. A, yeah, I finished it in like a minute 40 or a minute 30, somewhere in there. Oh, we did that. I mean, that sounds like a lot for two and a half minutes, though. Well, we we did sure. similar testing when I went when I applied, but it wasn't all in one one obstacle course. I can't remember. Right, it wasn't all one. It was broken no. up into like the wall, the chain link fence, the obstacle course, yeah. the dummy drag. All of that was like its individual station, not yeah. all connect combined. This was all combined, a steady pace jog. It was like a 1.07 miles at the end for your jog, which that's not bad. But when you go from jogging to stopping to jump and yeah. then you jog, go, the what got me, I'm not going to lie, what got me was the flight of stairs. Going up that flight and down that flight by the third time. Oh my goodness! Wow. Now, how many people approximately showed up for the op- for the? I guess that's the physical agility test, right? Yes, yes, ma'am. About um, approximately how many people showed up to that? So we had three testing days. There's three testing phases or three testing days for startups uh, per hiring trial, and for mine, I think there was 20 that showed up. And um, how many people actually pass? I think five or six there's only there's only two or three that are actually in my academy class now that were actually there when i went through it but i think five or six passed that initial phase yeah yeah, so about a quarter yeah that's and you said you had to complete a bhq uh phq oh phq yeah yeah yeah. now was that online or was that on paper Oh, okay. No, it's actually called a BIQ. Oh, BIQ. BIQ. Yeah. And that's and your application? That was, yeah. the um, Basically the application where I put all of my information, you know, all 20 million addresses and uh, so everything. Oh, like the personal history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I submitted that. And that's the one where I had like six days to get it submitted because I reached out to my recruiter when I found out I could graduate early. And I told him, hey, I'm graduating early. And he said, well, you need to do it now. So I just got on it. I was up all night, every night, scrolling through stuff, calling it my dad, looking for addresses and things like that. So, yeah, I want to I want to give Mickey kudos here. Um, One thing you said at the very beginning was that you had done your research to find out what documents they were going to want from you. And this is important for those of you who are going through the process or thinking of starting the process, because a lot of times people can't find their birth certificates. So then you got to go to the registrars and record and order one. And that doesn't always take that may take time. So that may delay you getting that right. For the guys, you know, um, that you actually, you know, are uh, the military. What's it called? Uh, DD-214. no, not not the DD two fourteen. That's when they leave the military. That you actually registered with the U.S. Oh, government when you turned eighteen. Yeah, selective service. That's another one, right? Um, so birth certificate, selective service. Then if you're, uh, what is if you if you know if you have some immigration paperwork that you have to provide for those that need that, you got to have all that. So 
if you have if you're thinking of doing this job, just start collecting that paperwork now so you have mm-hmm. it readily available. Like Mickey did. Mickey said he had it in a Manila folder already or, or envelope, and you know you were ready to go. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. So you got lucky because you were, you had six days to submit all this stuff, all, and you already had it ready. Yeah, I had it all. The thing I would say too is make sure your ID is valid or it's not about to expire because they're going to take like for me they took like 10 15 copies of my id and if i wouldn't have went and just got a new one even though it wasn't expired it would have been expired you know the third time they requested it and i wouldn't even thought about it so that's a good thing to check too is make sure your driver's license is valid and make sure yes, your driver's good, make yes, sure your driver's license look. has the same address that you live at yes. Yeah, it's not a good look to go in there with an expired license because now you're an unlicensed <laughs> driver. <laughs> and having a driver's valid driver's license is kind of a requirement for the job. <laughs> and we've had people go to backgrounds where the license is expired. And, the, and then yeah. the background investigator says, how did you get here? And they go, I here, drove. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, um, the, uh, the thing about the... This comes to play when people call me for consultations and they go, how long before I apply should I, um, how long before I, I apply, should I contact you for my consultation? I say minimum three months because something's going to come up. And, and when you, when you ask for that birth certificate, Minerva, the government, they don't care that you have to apply. They're going to take their time. And so you want to make sure. And, and another good thing is to start completing that PHS. If you have any thought whatsoever about a, becoming a police officer, grab a PHS. California Post has them online. Some other agencies do too. Start mm-hmm. on that. At least look at the PHS because I'm sure, Mickey, when you looked at that PHS, you didn't just go, oh, this is pretty cool. This is like when I worked here. And, and then all of a sudden you keep, just keep changing pages. You keep page and page and it goes back to age 15 or 10 years ago or yes. for. And it's very daunting. You can't leave that. And they put you in a pretty tough position where they go, you have six days to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I- Another thing too um, is putting, if you, if you really cannot fill that information out or it's not applicable to you, just put NA on it, like N slash A. Cause if you leave it blank, they're going to be like, well, why'd you leave that? Why'd you leave it blank? You know, it's incomplete. It's, yeah, it's incomplete. And another thing I did too was, Right before, like, I just got lucky too. a week before I found out I was graduating early. I went through because I watched, uh, I watched some video on YouTube. I can't remember which one it was, but it was like social media. So I instantly went through and went to all my social medias and did the forgot my password thing and reset every password and uh, username. So that way I knew exactly what they were and I wrote them all down as well. So that way there was no confusion of when they requested it that you're like, oh, I just don't, I don't know this one. Well, at that point, I kind of already had it all, like yeah. the same exact password on everything. Yeah. Another thing that takes people a long time to get are their school transcripts. Yep. That yep. is not something high school. If you graduated five, 10 years ago, that is, you know, they get archived at the school district office and it's not at your campus anymore. So those are things that you want to have readily available. Definitely. Definitely. And if Calling is so much better than emailing, I found out, because if you email, you know, most registrars get hundreds, 200 emails a day. There's a lot of students from high school, a lot of adults in college. The best thing to do if you can is go in person and then 
shoot a call, leave a voicemail, and then email. Go ahead and do all three if you can. That's what I did. I mean, I was calling people left and right. I know I annoyed my high school registrar, but <laughs> I needed my transcript sent. So. You need it. And you need yeah. to, for college, you need those transcripts sealed. And colleges, if you owe them money, they will not re- release your transcripts. So and- for me, I uh, I was in constant communication with my the financial aid people, and I was paying it 100% on my own. And I told them, like, hey, I know this is a big request, but I have not missed one single payment. I've, I hope I've proved to you all that you can trust me, but I really need these transcripts to be sent to my background. You don't have to send them to me. You don't you just send them straight to my background investigator so I can get this job and then I will pay you guys off completely. And I had to talk to the CFO of financial aid at my college and he granted me the uh, permission to um, get that transcript sent. And as soon as I graduate and they sent it yesterday and I still owe money. And, you know, what I learned from that is just go talk to them. Mm-hmm. Go, they know college is hard. They know paying it off, especially when you don't have parental help on that stuff. It's extremely hard. So go talk to them, do what you need to do. And nine times out of 10, they'll take care of you. But if you haven't paid a bill and you're kind of dodging them, then they're not going to, they're not going to take care of you. Yeah. And that's good. Go ahead. Ken. I was going to say that speaks volumes about you because Mm -hmm. colleges, when, when you graduate, it's very, it's not common that they go, okay, come in tomorrow and we'll give you your transcripts. That's not, it takes some time. They don't care. (laughs) Yes. So um, just one more suggestion to our listeners um, in regards to employment and even residence, your address history is just keep a log somewhere, create a spreadsheet or update your, well, for your employers, update your resume every time new job, update your resume Mm -hmm. and the contact person, your supervisor, their phone number. So like that, when you, like when you have such a short period of time to submit this stuff, you already have it. Yes, ma'am. Create a spreadsheet of all your answers, you know, Um, especially if you lived on campus, they don't care that you lived on campus. You got to list all those. Yeah. (laughs) Now people, you know, on campus, there's building A or there's these dorms, different name dorms, different building names, building letters, ABCs or whatever, you know, just make sure you have all that information. Start collecting all of that now. Mm. And if you're already if you've already applied, then start getting on that now because it will make life so much easier for you. And Mickey here was pretty locked on. He already. (laughs) And since we're on an episode of Tips with Mickey, um, your <laughs> when it comes to student housing, the people here I don't have a landlord. Yes, you do. Student housing is your landlord, and yes. we background investigators will call student housing to see if there's any marks against you. Did anybody complain or something like that? So put down, get your student housing phone number, and uh, that is your landlord for for dorms and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you let's get to the background investigation because I Minerva and I love to hear background stories and see how <laughs> other other agencies do it. When you um, so you you turn in all this stuff and you pass with flying colors, you're amazing, and then the background investigator contacts you. What happened then? So it was awesome. Um, it was actually very very smooth. I actually didn't talk to my specific background investigator for like three or four weeks after I applied. I mean, I was actually starting to get nervous. I was like, uh-oh, who's <laughs> looking at my stuff now or how many people have looked at it? 
because you know you can do research but no one can actually prepare you prepare you for how a background investigator is gonna the first call that they're gonna give you mm-hmm. and he calls me and he goes and he goes all right have a good day and hung up i was like oh that's that's kind of strange so i think he was trying to see how i would answer and if i was being respectful or disrespectful to an unknown caller or a, a number that i didn't have so it was like kind of like a test well after that it was um very smooth. I could I could email him and he would email me back within five minutes, 10 minutes, most of the time. And if I had a question, I could ask him. Um, I didn't really ask too many questions because I didn't want to ask too many and then him start digging even deeper and for whatever reason to start, you know, sending me more things. So uh, towards the middle of it, we had a little hiccup with what you said about college. I did not know that my we, we called him RD at my college, my uh, residential life was my landlord so i put college dorm and then in the landlord box i put na and he called me and he was like no that's not a it's not an na it's your residential life or whoever oversees that dorm so i had to fix that information but after that i mean it's extremely smooth we talked on the phone maybe five or six times um throughout the whole process i saw him in person two times uh before i was got the phone call and the first time he talked to me i went in his office and he, uh, it was after my oral board and he, uh, told me that I did fantastic on that. And then he completely switched and he was like, but let's get down to business. Let's talk about this. (laughs) Yeah. He instantly opened up the, the, um, drug section, drug use and all that. And so I told him, you know, this, 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 and I was just completely honest with him. I'm not going to lie. My hands were so sweaty and I was trying not to fidget, but I could feel sweat dripping down my forehead. I was like, oh, no, I hope he can't see this. And he was like, well, calm down. You're being honest. And we like that because I'd already passed my polygraph, which the polygraph was terrible. I never wanted to. (laughs) And uh, he said, "Um, so you've been to the dark, right? And I said, yes, sir. He was like, so you're never going back. And I said, no, sir, this is this is where I'm going from when I graduate college. I'm hopefully I'm coming straight here. And the, my only goal is to pull people out of the dark if I can. And he said, OK. And that was that. And then we talked on the phone, I think one more time after that. Um, I had called him because I had gotten a speeding ticket like two years prior to that that I completely forgot about. And so I called him. I said, hey, sir, I completely forgot about the speeding ticket. I did pay it. I have I had the judge that I pay or the judge of that courthouse where I paid the ticket. I had him send me an email and I submitted that email to my background investigator for proof. Like I did pay. it. This was an honest mistake. And he was totally cool about it. He was like, well, I appreciate you calling me. Um, it been, it's better that you call me than me looking it up and not see, seeing it on your record, but not on the mm-hmm. um, BIQ. And after that, I mean. It was smooth sailing. It was really a, actually an enjoyable process. And that's a, that's a good that's a good thing to bring up because even the best candidates will forget stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really something you need to pay attention to. I would suggest that candidates really rack your brain as far as <laughs> everything and don't leave anything to chance. Um, and something as simple as a that traffic ticket you're talking about, background investigators will DQ you. Uh, Minerva, you and I knew some people that were just <laughs> unforgiving. I'll just leave yes. it at that. Hundred <laughs> percent. There's so many avenues of doing a yourself background check for you, like just yourself. That it doesn't hurt. You know, yeah, you might spend twenty or forty bucks here and there, mm-hmm. but 
it's better to go ahead and any state that you've been in, you've lived in or went to college in, go ahead and pay for that. It's free after you pay for it. Print off a list and attach it or get it, turn it in like that. I know that's what I did. I uh, printed them all off and I brought them in. I didn't have anything on my record besides that one speeding ticket. And I mean, I just showed them like I did do all the research. These are the only states that I lived in or even vacationed in. I looked up Florida. I knew I didn't have anything in Florida, but I still looked it up because, you know, I was there for two weeks. So I was like, well, I might as well go ahead. This is the only the second or the third place I was for the longest. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, uh, some people go, this, this is so hard to do. I've had candidates say, I've had candidates <laughs> call me for consultations, Minerva. And then they start, I go, okay, here's the P, here's the uh, PHS. Go ahead and start looking at it, fill it out. And they'll call me and go, this is really, this is really, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to exaggerate. This is really hard. And I'm like, yeah, oh, it's a, yeah. And then they decide, uh, I'm going to, do you mind if I cancel? I go, yeah, that's fine. But um, don't be, you can't look at the PHS. I'm, we're telling you right now, the PHS and the background is really invasive. They go back and people have asked, how how far do the background investigators go back? I go, the moment you are born, that's when your background <laughs> investigation starts. So you better start collecting information. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just agreeing with you. Yeah, it's time consuming. It's time consuming. And it does take a lot of getting information, collecting information, going to different places, you know, talking to different people. So just the more prepared you are, the easier it would really be. And we're giving you all these tips to make life easier for you. (laughs) Yeah. And don't, and if you, you, not everybody's in Mickey's position where you have a, you have to turn this in. If you want to get hired, you got to turn this in in six days or whatever. Not everybody's in that position. And, and I've had candidates and I'm sure Minerva, you have two where they come in with this absolutely sloppy PHS. It's incomplete. There's just information left off. And then I, I always, you can tell, and I've asked them, when, when did you get this? And, and you go, oh, two months ago. When did you fill it out? I started, um, I, f- I completely forgot about it. I started filling it out a couple of days ago. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, man, no. And if it Come was- Come back when you have time. <laughs> yeah. And if it was up to, up to, Minerva and I worked for LAPD backgrounds and they would take anybody. You could yeah. come in with just your name on the PHS and they go, okay, well, we'll let the background investigator take care of that. Where if it was <laughs> up to us, you'd be a DQ, period. Well, in Glendale- I did have a guy, I said, okay, you know, when you're ready, come back, come yeah. give me a call back. Went all the way to the back burner. Didn't hear from him. We actually non-select. Yeah. It's a non-select. We have time. Smaller agencies will not waste their time on people like that. Yeah. Unfortunately. They will not. Us. I mean, now, I don't know, because now it's about a candidate, you know, the candidates have more, more say because of applying for the job. But back then, when we had four or five hundred applicants for three, four positions, yeah, we're, they're not wasting their time on people like that. Yeah, and I and I I would say that if this was a real estate thing, it's, it's a buyer's market where the candidates yes. can come in and go. Well, if you don't need anybody, that's fine with me, you know. But that's not the way it is. I think that hopefully the background the the police departments will stick to their guns because you can't. You can't shortcut on background investigations, and it sounds like with Mickey's department, um, they're pretty locked on. I, I yeah, get the it does sound that way. Yeah, they just 
Yeah, that's a that's that warms my heart, Mickey. That you're telling this story <laughs> because we talk to background investigators all the time and for different departments and stuff. And I'm not I'm not always happy with some of the stuff that's going on with regard to background. And I understand it's it's a tough time right now. But your agency seems to be doing it the right way. You know, getting the best people, and so that's pretty cool. Um, so, so you get your you your background. It was a little bit daunting because you had to the you know when the background investigator calls and go, "Hey, Mickey, what's up? What's up, Mickey? It's me. It's background <laughs> investigator me." And they go, "Oh, hi, and I love you, and all this kind of stuff." And they go, "Hey, tell me about the drugs, man." And all of a sudden, oh, <laughs> and then you're sweating. Literally sweating. I was. I mean, it was directly after my oral board. I went straight from the oral, the panel interview, the oral board interview, directly from that room of talking to all those people right into his office. And he was like, they said you did great. So I'm like, okay, cool. And then he instantly said, but let's let's get to business. What about these drugs? And just open my, it was like he was read, just open the BIQ straight to the pages and then yeah. said it to me. I was like, oh no, what's he about to say to me? But I mean, it went smooth. It went really smooth. It almost sounds like you were in an expedited uh, process because it's not normal to do your oral interview and then go right into background, your background interview. Yeah. So it almost yeah. sounds like you, the the process that this, and possibly because you knew you were going to be graduating and they wanted to get you into the next academy class that they expedited it, but that's not normal. Yeah, it was directly, I mean, bam, bam. He had already had my BIQ for about two weeks. Yeah, so he had already reviewed it. A good investigator mm-hmm. would have had would have reviewed it, which obviously he did because he already knew where to go to. <laughs> yeah, he knew exactly where to go to. <laughs> so it was it was fun. Um, the oral board. That it was, was fun, fun, Ken. He it said was it was fun. fun. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Tell, what about the oral board? The oral board wasn't that bad. I I was sweating that the most. I I was looking up. There's a website you can go to where they have like. They generate hundreds and hundreds of questions on what might be on an oral board interview. So I'm over here rehearsing all these, having my fiance read them to me. I'm writing answers down in flashcards and asking myself. And I get in there and it was none of those questions at all. I was like, oh, no. But it was super, super easy to talk to or answer the questions. I did mess up right at the beginning. They handed me a book and he said, um, now you won't need to open this book until after until question three. And, you know, I was had jitters. So I was like, yes, sir. And there were six people in there. On the, I was at one side of the long table and they were all on the other side. And as soon as he answered question one, I opened the book and I was like, oh, and closed. I was like, my apologies. And they just all kind of looked at me and grinned and they were like, it's all right. So <laughs> now the, the polygraph, I never want to do one of those again. That guy yeah. was so good at making me feel like I was lying. I mean, it was insane. <laughs> insane these these uh, i don't know about i don't think it's it's the same uh, across the different states but the ones that used to do the lepd polys minerva were the same guys that did the polys if somebody got arrested for murder mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like like human resources poly guys they right. did the same thing so when they are doing when they're talking to a murder suspect and a police candidate they probably do them similar and so you mm-hmm. kind of feel like this grilling during the poly and it's probably very standardized yeah. in the way you know they do things just to keep it you know 
the same way with everybody. Yeah, definitely. What I did, I mean, I could feel my heart beating in my throat and I swear (laughs) my heart was moving around and he kept telling me my breathing was getting weird. And I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know what else to do. So I found one pinhole on the wall and I just stared at it the whole time. And finally he goes, sir, you can blink. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) It's that, that Polly is very daunting, very daunting. And I tell people don't study for the pot. You can't study for the poly. You you just go, all it does is it measures your body's response to the questions. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're being and you honest, you can't control that. You can't control physiological changes in your body. No, yeah, you can't. And the, so I think that we have a we have an episode on the poly. Um, and I listened to that one three times before I went to my polygraph. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's very it's very um, it's really kind of simple. It's really kind of simple. And um, with the poly, if you're not walking out of the poly going. Ah, I'm I'm horrible, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> then the poly the polygraph examiner probably didn't do a good job as some of them do. But if yeah. Mickey, if you walked out of there feeling totally crappy, then that was a good poly. Oh, and I don't did. and don't consider using countermeasures. They know when you're trying to use countermeasures. Those yeah. guys have been around the block many times. They're trained observers of everything. So don't even try. Yeah. Yeah. There's no point. There's no point at all. They're going to (laughs) know. So how long was your process from the time that you put in your application to the day that you got the call? The call. No, the call was amazing. I (laughs) turned in my application. um, See here. November 3rd. Uh, Yeah. I turned in my application November 3rd and started the whole process. I got the call March 20 something, like 20 middle of, it was like middle to end of March is when I got the call. So it was a, I don't know. It felt like a quick turnaround after I got the call, but while I was waiting on the call, I thought it was taking forever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, it took everything in my body not to at least email my background investigator once a week, just be like, hi, just checking in. See, see if you heard any news or anything. So, I mean, it was a quick turnaround. And what was the call like? The call. So, you said, yeah. So, I had just gotten out of class and I got into work and I was a janitor at an airport. And so, I was cleaning, about to clean a conference room and I worked in the middle of nowhere. And this, it was like my biggest fear is I was going to get the call, but I wasn't going to have service. So, I go into this conference room and my phone starts ringing and it says my background investigator's name. So I answer the phone and he goes, Miss, and I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, I want to congratulate you on being selected to uh, my class and we're excited to have you. You'll get the rest of the information. Then it started breaking up and sounded robotic. So I took off running through the airport, went outside and I was like trying to get him to answer and instantly like he could finally hear me again. And he was like, okay, well, I know you're at work, so I'll let you go by. And it was just like that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I messed up right after I got hired, selected. So after that and I got selected, I had been waiting so long for that call because like, it was like a sign that I completely turned my life around, like completely set a goal, reached that goal, and now I need to set more. And so I went and found me a nice little corner, and I may or may not have shed a tear, 10. And then I Pretend. called my family. and. Uh, 
they're my closest loved ones and let them know. And then I finished off my work day. And after that, I mean, it was even more motivation to study harder in the classroom and just push myself as hard as I could get college paid down. And I could not wait to get back up here and start um, training, training for the, I mean, I've been training for the Academy, but I also had, you know, class college classes to study for and full-time jobs. So it made it a little challenging, but it wasn't, you know, it was worth the late nights of pushing myself to study and study or lack of sleep for, cause I knew it was temporary. So it was every bit worth it. The call was absolutely amazing. And once somebody gets that call, I mean, it should prove to them that they can set, if they set a goal and they work hard enough, they can reach it. I mean, just that simple phone call. Yeah. And it's a, it's a big deal when you get that call because yeah. when, when you, um, for any other job and I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not taking away from other types of jobs, but those jobs, they, they, they like you, you get hired because they, they like your schooling. They like, you know, who you are and stuff like that. You get hired because they like you, you look like you're a good fit for the company, but with police departments hiring, you passed a background investigation. You took, what is there like seven, eight steps, whatever it is to, you have to pass every one of those phases. It's a journey. It's a journey. <laughs> it's a journey. It's a journey. <laughs> and so when you get the call that you have passed every single one, and what is it, Minerva? When it the thing used to be that that one, um, it for every thousand applicants, there was mm-hmm. one that actually graduated the academy, and that was for LEPD, but that yeah. included everybody. So when you came into the initial testing part. There were, you know, 100 people there. 50 of them you will never see again. And then when you get to the background investigation, 50% of those you will never see again. And then Mm -hmm. 50% of those won't ever get into the academy. So when you whittle it down from the original applicant pool to the actual person that graduates or gets gets hired, the number, the, the person that gets hired is a pretty special person. Yeah. And so when you shed those tears... Because you had come a long way, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And back in the 90s, uh, Minerva, back in the 90s, the background investigators were the ones that got to call the candidates. Yeah, I remember my call. Yeah, that was one (laughs) of the coolest. I got hired in the 90s, yeah. Yeah, and in Glendale, we, we would call our candidates, too. That is one of the coolest. And it's so nice. I took so much pride because... You know, they become like your kids, right? You're rooting for all of them, right? Mm-hmm. And and then to hear that like silence, like it's they're <laughs> processing it, right? When they when they hear that, yeah. they're processing it and you're like, hello? They're like, Oh my God, thank you, thank you so much, you know. So I, I it, it was always I always took pleasure in doing those calls. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly how it was. I even asked him. <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. So when he said that, I was like, uh, are you sure, sir? Are you sure? <laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> I take it back. It was awesome. Well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty cool day. What, um, what have you been preparing? I know you, you, you've already been working out. You're an athlete and everything. And, and you, you know that you need to work out for the Academy. I don't know what kind of Academy, uh, it is, but Minerva and I have not been happy with some of these. <laughs> I know someone who asked me about an academy, and uh, it was just a couple of days ago, and, and I said, and they go, I, I, I got to work out. I got to, and I go, well, the academy you're talking about, 
they don't really do PT, uh, so I'm not sure. I don't know what to say, Minerva. Do I say? But they should still work out work because out. once they get out of the field, <clears throat> they have to be in shape. Well, and the advice that I gave was, even if the academy doesn't have a strong PT program, mm-hmm. that th- what's going to matter is when you are in the field and you, you get in that street fight and someone's trying to take your gun, then you start yep. running out of cardio. That's why the you work stamina. out. Yes, sir. So, um, what have you been doing too? Go ahead. Sorry, do you know what type of academy you're going to? Like, is it more college based or is it like more military like? It's it's more military. Um, I don't know how much detail I can go in from what I know 100%, but I can tell you what I've been training for. Uh, I've been training a ton. Uh, I really focus a lot on um, stretching. That's the first and foremost, because we run a lot. It's a lot, a lot of running. Uh, day one is, um, you you guys have probably heard it. It's pretty, pretty um, common, the Copper's Fitness Test. So we'll have a mile and a half run in 12 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we'll go into push-ups, sit-ups, uh, 90-second plank, and all of that. Um, but that's just the coppers part so there's some days where you might run six miles and get followed by two squad cars with your squad um it's nothing but hit uh high interval intensity training and so that's non-stop every single day first thing you do two times a day um uh again a lot of stretching for that reason we do the coppers fitness test three to five times during the academy depending on everyone's scores to see how they do um a little bit that I know about from like talking to other people that went through it is like, you'll get smoked instantly. So say if one person answers something wrong, you're going to get smoked. The whole squad's going <laughs> to I mean, in a row. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. You're, you're going to get smoked. And um, it's not what I like about it most. And, you know, all the football teams I played for is the same way is the fact that, you are building a family, you're building a brotherhood, a sisterhood, whatever you want to call it. So when one messes up, everyone gets punished. And I like that because that's mm-hmm. going to make the strongest stronger and get rid of the ones that don't want to be a part of that family. Right. And so mm-hmm. I really think that's going to bring us together tremendously. So what I've been doing is um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I run a mile and a half as hard and fast as I can. Um, Right now I'm down to 11 minutes and 15 seconds. I'm trying to get to like 10 minutes and then, cause I weigh 225. So I'm a bigger guy. So long distance is not my thing. And I was a middle linebacker and defensive end in football. So and running fast and long was not my thing. So I've been doing that a lot. And then I do a hit training compromises between, or has 12 to 16 different workouts, depending what I'm targeting, whether it's chest, back or core or legs. And I'll do each thing for a minute. So I'll do say max amount of push-ups one minute straight, and then I'll rest for 30 seconds. And then I'll go to hand release push-ups for a minute, 30 seconds, and then I'll switch into core. So I'll do a hollow hold. Um, my plank, I actually do a minute 45 to two minutes to make that 90 second first day easy. Uh, wow. when we do that test. That's a long time for a plank. It's time. not fun. It's not no, fun. It's not. <laughs> and so I stick with that. And then for my studying, uh, I wrote down everything that we got in the packet. I mean, word for word, the chain of command, the Academy creed, the 10 codes, the, the Spanish that I have to know, um, the, um, 
blocks. There's a ton of blocks. That's going to be, I mean, I'll be honest with you, that's going to be my biggest challenge is just learning and understanding all of the blocks that we have. We have a ton of them. I think I think that's going to come easy for you. And let me tell you why, because you just graduated college. You're still kind of in student mode because yeah. I also went to the academy like right after college. And it that's gonna, that, I don't I don't feel that you have. Honestly, I don't think you have anything to worry about. First, you're an athlete. And secondly, academically, you just got done with school. So you're already in that mindset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think this is this is going to come easy for you. Definitely. To be honest with you. I appreciate that. And that probably gave me more motivation to make it easier on myself, too. Yeah. Uh, I, do, I would recommend you run longer than a minute than a mile and a half, though, because most the average starting run will probably be closer to like three miles. Yeah. So that's what Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I run a mile and a half. And then Fridays, I run a 5K. So I kind of switch it in there. Um, the longest I've ran so far is four and a half miles which that was very challenging, but um, I'm getting there a lot better. When I first started running long distance five months ago, when I started doing long distance training, I couldn't even finish a mile and a half. Um, wow. I just you now got my mile time down under eight minutes. So we're getting, we're getting somewhere, but really focusing on just running a lot of cardio because of pushups, sit-ups, that's all going to come with cardio. But uh, focusing on cardio is my biggest thing by far. What about pull-ups? Because guys who are taller have a harder time with pull-ups because you have longer arms, more to pull, heavier body to pull up too, right? So I got to where I was doing 22 pull-ups and then I developed trigger finger in my left hand mm-hmm. and I got that fixed, like worked out now, but I'm started all over on that. I think the last time I went to the gym last week. I think it was last week and I could only get 11 pull-ups. So I've been focusing on that big time on my pull-up muscles, like my lats mm-hmm. and the center of my back and my traps and my biceps. Um, but that's, I believe that comes later in the Academy. Cause I know I've seen videos of them doing pull-ups and they do a lot of them. Those guys and girls do not look happy. <laughs> <laughs> what is a uh, trigger finger? So trigger finger is um, in the middle of my palm. Hold on. And the, you see that like darker spot mm-hmm. right there. So you you have like a pulley system in your finger where it connects to your palm. And so I shattered my hand like four or five years ago. And uh, we the doc and I think that developed it. But the pulley system, your tendon swells up and it won't go through the pulley system as easy. Oh. So when you close your finger, it kind of catches and it. Mm-hmm. It really hurts. It's just uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So, but so that it, affects your grip. Yeah, it affects my grip a lot. So, yeah. uh, but I've been we're getting that worked out right now. So I was that's the only thing I was worried about at my physical. I told them about that, and but I passed it. So, yeah. And so when you're when you're preparing to go into the academy, don't work out so hard that you injure yourself. Uh, not that mm-hmm. that's what happened to you, but it just the thought just occurred to me where people really want to get in shape and things, but be mindful that you don't, you don't injure yourself during your workouts. Cause that'll keep you from going into the academy. Yeah, um, so I get the I, proper running shoes too, but break uh-huh. them in before the academy because yeah. shin splints kills a lot of candidates during the academy. Definitely. And another thing that I've been doing, 
is running in my tack pants and my um, boots, my tack boots to break those in because we do a lot of, well, from what I know or what I've seen is a lot of group jogs in full kit. So I want to break in my tack boots. And also I've been shining the, every day I shine them just to make sure they're up to par for when we go in there. Cause uh, I don't want to be the reason. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> One day you will be though. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, I'm, I know that. That's pretty cool. I mean, you're, you're getting yourself pretty, pretty set because yeah. the Academy is hard enough as it is uh, with the academics and PT and all that. You might as well make it easy on yourself by taking out a lot of the, the stresses that you might have. And it sounds like it's a paramilitary Academy. So there's probably going to be a lot of yelling, a lot of, um, a lot of running and just moving from from building to building and not not uh, just kind of lollygagging around. So it sounds like it's going to be a really locked on academy, which uh, Minerva and I we really like that so much. We approve. We approve. We approve. <laughs> um, so in closing, this has been a great interview. Um, in closing. What advice do you have for other candidates? There's, I can think of a bunch of things that that you could give advice on, and um, what would you say to the cat to, to the applicants that want to that want to join? To keep this as short as possible, because I could go on and on and on. But the biggest thing is just stay the course, um, stay committed. Don't let one your mental the mental state of anyone can get to them. And don't let that get to you. Um, pray about it. Talk about it with somebody. But whatever you do, don't give up. Keep pushing at whatever your goal is. And for the, in this case, join, getting hired. You can get hired, but you have to put in the work, put in the time, and put in the effort to get hired. Um, don't let anything scare you off from it, whether that's fear of losing a friend, a family member, um, even, even a spouse. If, if they don't exactly want what you want, like that is the biggest thing in becoming a police officer is it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of grit. Oh, it's going to take a lot of time from your family. It's going to take a lot of mental patience and you always have to be open to learning. Um, the only thing I tell people they should worry about is leaving room for what ifs as they get older. You know, that's there's some what ifs that I still have that and I'm only 23 that I wish like, man, I wish I could go back. And that's been one of my goals is don't leave any more room for what ifs. And that's what I tell everybody, you know, um, set your mind to it and get it done. You can do it. It's going to take work. It's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of effort. But if you put whatever, whatever your belief is uh, in front and you lean on that and you continue to push, you'll get it done. You, you will definitely get it done. Yeah, what I like about about your story is that there's candidates that Minerva and I've done done uh, backgrounds on these candidates where their whole PHS is empty because they they grew up, they went to school, they went to college, and they had job, they had a job, and they're just like, oh, aren't you the golden child? You're just amazing. There's nothing to <laughs> investigate. But then with you, your story is great because um, because you overcame to become a police officer mm -hmm. that you knew you, you were meant to be a police officer and that, um, that, and I think Minerva, I, I don't know if you agree with this or not. I think more often than not, there's the people that don't just walk into police departments and get hired because they don't have anything in their background. I think more often than not, a lot of candidates have something that they have to overcome. Right. 
and and you have to put in the work whether it's the phs whether it's physical training whether it's um college or or academics or whatever it is you have to put in the work and i think mickey your story is really good in the sense that um that you are living proof that if you want it bad enough you will you will make it happen and even even to the point where your background investigator calls you and say hey man tell me about this and you're sweating it and everything and you take the poly <laughs> and you hate the poly and and the oral interview you did that you know and every step of the way it wasn't you didn't just walk in and they handed you a badge you had to work for it and i think that's what i'm taking away from this entire interview is that you you knew what you had to do. And so I think when someone comes up to, to Mickey um, Minerva and, and they tell Mickey, this, this application is really hard and Mickey's going to go, <laughs> <laughs> come on, man, come on. But, I mean, people, I mean, he was just so prepared. Right. Um, and that made it so much. That's the difference. Right. You know, he really wanted it. One. Right. That's one. Then he prepared. He did his research. He prepared. He gathered the information he needed so that when at the last minute they're like, hey, you got to have all this by this date. He already had it. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between someone like, you know, you keep saying this, Ken, someone who really wants it. Right. And it's not complaining about, oh, this is hard. Nobody gives a shit. I'm sorry. They don't. <laughs> you know, they don't. If this is what you want, then you work for it. Nothing's going to come easy. You know, no. and that kind of <laughs> also speaks on your work ethic and how you're going to, what type of officer you're going to be or what type of employee you're going to be really anywhere. Yeah. And if you think the application process is hard, wait until <laughs> you get in the field. Police work is oh, yes. hard. And uh, Minerva and I will be the first to tell you we're not we're not the same as we were when we were twenty one. You know, our no. the, the job took a toll on our bodies and you know if we didn't if we didn't stick to the to being strong in the in the mental sense, um, you know, Minerva and I didn't fall into that the job is gonna ruin you emotionally, mentally. We didn't get it could have, but we didn't. And so the application process, really, relatively speaking, is easy compared yes. to the actual police work. Um, yeah, and I think you and I, neither of us are the type where the work was our life. Right. We had life outside of work. You know, I think that people who become, de their identity becomes being a police officer have a harder time adjusting yeah. <laughs> to other things. Yeah. So I hope Mickey, you mentioned that you have friends who are also not in law enforcement. And I think that's, it's always good to have other people around you who are not in that job. Definitely. You know, definitely. Uh, I mean, it gives you a gap from always talking about the same thing, but it also gives you somebody to talk to that's not in the field that you can actually just completely vent to and not worry about them having a suggestion on how to make it better. You know, just things like that. Um, my buddy, I've, he's been a firefighter for the last five years now. And um, before I got into the first responder scene, I was a, just, you know, five years ago, I was just now getting into college or getting my life turned around. And he would come talk to me about things. And, it, you know, I could tell that it actually helped him. 
you know, and he even told me, you know, having somebody that's not in work, someone that I don't work with or someone that doesn't fully understand that I can just vent to helps out tremendously. And plus, like I said, I mean, you can like or like you said, you can really just talk to somebody or hang around them and forget about the job for a little bit, because I mean, that's a yeah. big when I played football, I was all football. I mean, and, you know, I know it's not on the same scale as law enforcement or first responder in general, but you got to be able to find a separate identity than just I'm I'm a police officer mm-hmm. or I'm a football player or, you know, a firefighter, right. whatever that may be. So and yeah. in, in closing, it you know, Minerva brings up a good point that you were fully prepared for everything that you had to do. How did you get that information uh, to, to be ready to go? Was it watching your podcast? podcast? Uh, (laughs) When I first, so I would actually listen to your podcast while I would be at work or when I'd be at the gym and I would just have both um, wireless earbuds in and I'd just be listening away. And uh, if you guys said something that really stood out, like, oh, wow, I absolutely would not have never guessed that. I would have opened my phone, put it in my notes, Mm. and then I'd go home and organize it and I would find exactly what I needed. And then the next day, I'll just do the same thing over and over and over. And then I actually, when I got in contact to, through you or to you, um, Ken, it was through uh, Caroline. Mm-hmm. I, you, know, you did the podcast with her and her number was on there. And I knew it was a long time ago. And I was like, oh, I'm going to call this number. It says free calls. We'll give advice. I'm going to see what happens. And I thought it was going to be a different number. And I called and she was like, oh, yeah, let me let me uh, get in contact with Ken. And then you called me like. I don't know, 10 minutes later while I was at work <laughs> and that's how we got in contact. But yeah, everything I learned was through your podcast. Now, of course, there was some outside research um, talking to or not talking to, but looking up certain things like just random questions I'd have. Um, and that helped me a lot. And just I mean, I rather have have it all and not need some than just not have or have need something and not have it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like mm-hmm. I rather just overload on everything that might be requested. And that's, that's, you know, and this is a a suggestion to our listeners that if there's something that we're not covering in the podcast, like feel free to email us and ask us, because then you may not be the only person who has that question. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of this podcast is to assist you guys in this process of getting hired in law enforcement. But if we feel we're covering just about everything based on our experience and background and experience. But if there's something new that maybe we're not aware of, or maybe something part of it that we're not covering, let us know because then we're going to do our part to make sure we get whatever information, if it's something new or if it's something that we already know, we just don't realize we're not covering. We want to make sure you guys have all that information. That's the whole point of this podcast. Yeah. And and uh, uh, Mickey, if anybody has any questions for you, um, I suggest that they email me, and I'll forward you the information. Um, and that way, uh, you can kind of uh, you can kind of ask Mickey follow up questions if you have any. But we'll uh, we'll be glad to forward that information to you. Thank you so much for uh, for being here, Mickey. This has been a great experience for me. And um, Minerva, mm-hmm. do you have any additional anything else? Well, you know, I wish you the best in the academy. I can't wait for you to come back once you graduate. And then once you pass your, you know, one year probation, I'm assuming it's one year there too, right? Yes, ma'am. 
uh, or once you're done with tr- field training, because that's everybody's experience is different. Yep. You know, and we like having our guests back, you know, guests like you that, you know, tell us about their journey and getting hired. Then once they got through the academy, once they get through field training and once you're on your own, um, if your department's a solo officer type department. But I'm very happy for you. I think you're going to do great. I am so not mm. worried about you. Yeah, not I have at all. absolutely no worries about you, honestly. Well, and I can't you. wait to hear how your career progresses from here. No way but up. I appreciate you guys for having me and the kind words and encouragement. I'm super excited and it's uh it's definitely a career that's going to pay off. I yeah. know that for sure. Absolutely. And we're we're uh, we're with you in this uh in this journey with you and we're excited. I'm excited and I know Minerva is too. So, um yeah. well, you know, we'll be in touch and I want to find out about the academy and FTO and all that kind of stuff. So uh, again, thank you so much. And uh, we are out of here. Thanks for listening to the police applicant podcast. We are the premier police background prep site in the U S and Canada. For more information on scheduling your police background consultation, go to policebackground.net. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes.